and welcome to Knowledge with Homage. I'm your host, Homage. Or you can just call me David. That's my real name. My name is David Castle, and you are listening to Knowledge with Homage. That is my new introduction. I'm trying to do things much more legit, trying to get picked up by CNN, NBC, Fox, CNN, BC, MNSBC, one of the abbreviation companies. I want them. I want to just lie to people for a living, because that's what they do, isn't it? They sit up there with a straight face, and they fucking lie to you. They never tell the truth. Nah, sometimes they do. They just, the way they actually do it is by not telling the whole truth. They tell you a little bit, and then uh, that's that, and then they move on to the next story. They only give you like 30 seconds of story, so how could you know anything? Anyways, I'm already rambling. (laughs) That's what that news intro reminds me of. It's just bullshit. So I hope everyone out there is doing quite well surviving and and doing what you have to do to take care of your family and yourself, staying well-fed, keeping a roof over your head, having a nice bed, um, getting a lot of books read. Ah, fucking bars. Nah, I'm just kidding. But seriously, I hope hope everyone out there is doing pretty well. Um, I know what it's like, you know, to not be making any money or anything. The beginning of this year, I quit my job, and I went and traveled across Southeast Asia. And since I've been back, I haven't even had a job, man. I've just been chilling. I've been working on music. And uh, needless to say, it's not paying the bills. Neither is this podcast, but it's something I do for fun. Um, So I'm back in the the job market right now, and it sucks. It sucks looking for a job, especially when, you know, you don't have a exact career that you're trying to pursue and all of that. But it'll all be okay in the end. So if you're in that position, I feel for you. Just keep going for it. Settle with what you have to settle for for the time to make some money and do what you got to do because that's the way of the world. I did recently get to go on a camping trip up in the Sierra Nevadas here by where I live, and it was amazing. Such a nice thing to do. Hope you guys got to do some camping this summer. If not, you still got a little bit of time to go. It's pretty fun. Take your family out. You do got to buy a lot of stuff, and nothing's cheap these days. In fact, just to get a camping site, they're charging us like 30 bucks. Usually I don't do that. Well, actually, I didn't have to pay for it. My uncle did. He's cool. But um, normally I don't use those types of camping sites. You're basically paying for a picnic table and and a barrel to have a fire in. You could get other camping sites where you just do it primitively is what it's called, and then you don't have to pay. That's what I prefer to do. I'm cheap. Uh, went skating yesterday up in Reno, and I sprained my ankle on a fucking kickflip on flat ground. That's bullshit. I don't know if you guys skateboard, but if you do, then you would know that that's bullshit. I, it wasn't like a bad sprain. It just kind of hurts. But I'm okay. I'm not a pussy. What the fuck? Anyways, that's what's been going on in my life. Um, what's been going on around the world is no less insane. After the shootings that were in El Paso and Ohio, Trump came out saying that we needed some sort of red flag laws where they can predict who's going to commit a crime and then they come after you and throw you in the loony bin, take all your guns. You're a criminal. You're insane. And that's that's what they'll do. Everyone's a fucking terrorist now. And that's the reason why you got so many crazy white kids going and shooting up Walmarts and schools and movie theaters and all that shit. It's because... The ultimate goal is to make nobody feel safe and, well, to go after your weapons as well because in order to establish a truly tyrannical world government, you can't have armed citizens in any part of the world. And there were false flag type events that led to the confiscation of guns in Australia. I think Ireland also went through something similar. And who knows if they were really false flags or whatever, but the events work out perfectly for the government because they get to just take everyone's weapons. They get to justify it because the people will actually be asking for it because they won't feel safe and they'll want the government to provide them with protection. When in reality, the government is the biggest terrorist of them all. But you're not allowed to say that. I'm probably going to get red flagged for this. In fact, I think I already am. And I'm proud of that. Fuck you guys, man. It's bullshit. So that's something that Trump said. Uh, He hasn't to my knowledge, went through with an executive order to put it into law and put it into the Constitution because it's unconstitutional, but that doesn't stop them anyways. They do whatever they want. Um, The Constitution is out the window. 
and it's just it doesn't matter man they're gonna do whatever they want and if you still believe in this two-party system that somebody's gonna get elected and change everything or that trump's gonna drain the swamp or any of that i mean you're highly mistaken because that's not gonna happen i don't think it is uh in order to get even get elected into that position, you got to be playing ball and you got to be a part of the system. You know, you're used as a tool by the shadow government, the hidden government that Trump claims to be draining from politics, but obviously he's not because he's doing whatever he wants, just like, well, no, nah, he's not doing anything he wants. He's doing what he's told, just like every other president has ever done. So... I'm just rambling. I'm not even talking about anything. But I wanted to mention that because I think the red flag laws are something that is very... That's bad, man. We can't be having this. Because it's it's 1984. It's thought policing. You, you can't say certain things now. What happened to the First Amendment? You should at least be able to think what you want to think and say what you want to say without having the fear of the government coming and you know taking you away. And what else will they take away? Maybe they'll take your kids away. Maybe they'll take, you know, they already said they want to take your guns away if you post something that's questionable. And who's to determine what is a terrorist-like rhetoric? Is it if you say anything criticizing the government or criticizing what the news has said? If you question the official story, are you suddenly a terrorist? That's the way it's seeming to go right now. So, truly insane times we live in. We've really never, there's never been a society that has been more controlled than the one we are living in right now. I mean, literally, people just, they're policing themselves now. They know that there's certain things you can and can't say. Everything is so politically correct, and that's a form of mind control right there, just political correctness, because you're changing the way you think about things. It's a form of mind control because the words that you think and the words that you speak have a large impact on how you perceive reality. So when you're policing the words that you can and cannot say, or when an authority figure is doing that through different means, then fuck, man. what You're not thinking for yourself. You're certainly not being yourself. And there's many avenues that accomplish this. I mean, school is a huge indoctrination process that is mandatory for 12 years. Everybody in America has to do that. And everybody around the world has a similar system as well. That was based on the Prussian system, there's a very good book about it called The Leipzig Connection, I believe it was, right? Yeah, Leipzig Connection. That talks about, I think Leipzig was in Germany, but it talks about all these different psychologists and uh, the way they figured out the best way to better indoctrinate the world. Rockefeller paid a lot of money to do that, Rockefeller. Because, uh, you know, they just want to control the world, man. Is that such a surprise? It's amazing that people still don't believe that. There's some people who don't, they can't comprehend that. Maybe it's because they can't see it in their own personality and it's hard for them to attribute that trait to somebody else because they don't have it in themselves. But it's not that hard to imagine that somebody would want to control the entire world. That's the premise of every single comic book and every uh, superhero movie and all of that. I mean, most movies seem to be about that. There's an evil villain and they're trying to run everything. But in reality, the people that run everything are the evil villains. <laughs> there's not like some rogue evil villain who's trying to take it away or, you know, like take over everything. It's like they already did take it over and they're just trying to further take it over. And the real battlefield is for your mind. And that's kind of why I, I do a podcast like this it's just so people can, yeah, I, it's not as organized as it could be or as good. It's certainly no uh, Joe Rogan, Adam Carolla, Adam Curry podcast, but I do what I can, you know, whatever. I want to mention some news stories that were recently happening, and one of them being the region of the Himalayas in India called the Kashmir region. Uh, apparently India has invaded that region. They were basically like a, uh, what would you call it, a territory of India, but they still had some semblance of independence because they're a Muslim minority in a predominantly Hindu country. 
India is obviously all Hindu pretty much. But right there next to Pakistan, you did have some Muslim people who live there. That's called the Kashmir region. Well, India has basically said, no, you're 100% a part of India now. And you can't just do your own thing anymore. You're going to do what the fuck we tell you. And, you know, you, your little villages and whatnot and your, you know, your cultural ways of life are now gone because you're a part of India now. And now this is a big, this is a global thing because this is a highly disputed region between India and Pakistan. And both countries are nuclear armed and they both got nukes. And they've gone to war for this shit since the 40s. So this is just crazy. You got all these people. um, The Indian government has shut off power there. They've shut off cell phone service so people can't communicate with each other. There's no internet or anything like that. And the reason why they're doing that is to try to disrupt any riots or any demonstrations that are protesting the occupation of their town there in the Kashmir. So it's a... I know it's on the complete opposite side of the world, but this is a big deal because these are big global powers that are fighting over this region. And uh, if the nukes start going, then, you know, everyone's going to get involved. That shit just doesn't... It it could be really bad. And um, that's probably a terrible explanation of what's actually happening. I could read this whole entire article, but it's pretty long. Ah, fuck it, I'll read it, I got an hour. So, this one is from Al Jazeera. Um, Many of the the bigger news companies and news sites or channels or whatever in America, they don't cover this kind of shit. All they want to do is bash on Trump, talk about how he's such a racist, and get you scared of the next shooting that's going to happen. They don't talk about real news. And this is real news, so there are a few news outlets that are still covering these big global issues. And this one is Al Jazeera. Not like I'm a big fan of any of them, but... Uh, The title is Fighting Back, Kashmir Enclave Blocks Entry of Indian Troops. Um, For more than a week, the young men of Saura, a densely populated enclave in Indian-administered Kashmir's main city of Srinagar, have been taking turns to maintain a round-the-clock vigil at the entry points to their neighborhood. Each of the dozen or so entrances have been blocked with makeshift barricades of bricks, corrugated metal sheets, wooden slabs, and felled tree trunks. Groups of youths armed with stones congregate behind the biggest obstacles. Their aim? To keep Indian security forces, and particularly the paramilitary police, out of the area. We have no voice. We are exploding from within, says Ijaz, 25, who, like many other residents in Saura, Interviewed by Reuters, news agency gave only one name, saying he feared arrest. If the world won't listen to us, then what should we do? Pick up guns? He says. Sauro, home to about 15,000 people, is becoming the epicenter of resistance to the government's removal on August 5th of the partial autonomy enjoyed by Jammu and Kashmir, the country's only Muslim-majority state. The enclave, which has effectively become a no-go zone for Indian security forces, is now a barometer of the ability of Prime Minister Narendra Modi's Hindu nationalist government to impose its will in Kashmir after its dramatic move. The change, the government said, was necessary to integrate Kashmir fully into India, tackle corruption and nepotism, and speed up its development, which Modi says is the key to securing lasting peace and defeating terrorism, in quotations. Because anybody who doesn't agree with all the fucked up shit that the government wants to do as a terrorist. <laughs> Isn't that ridiculous? When they're the ones invading this peaceful community and just, you know, imposing their will on them and, and doing fucked up, shooting them with all kinds of fucking bullets and tear gas and all that. So it's ridiculous. In Saura, it is hard to find anyone who supports Modi's move. Many of the more than two dozen residents interviewed by Reuters over the past week referred to Modi as Zailim. An Urdu word meaning tyrant. The constitutional change will allow non-residents to buy property in Jammu and Kashmir and apply for jobs in local government. Some Muslims in Kashmir say they fear that India's dominant Hindu population will overrun the lush state at the foot of the Himalayas and that Kashmiri's identity, culture, and religion will be diluted and repressed. We feel like we are guarding the LOC here, says Ijaz, referring to the law the line of control, the highly militarized de facto border between the Indian and Pakistani-controlled parts of Kashmir. 
For decades, Kashmir has been a source of friction between nuclear-armed India and Pakistan. Both nations claim the region in full and have fought two wars over the territory since 1947. Residents of Saura say dozens of people have been injured in clashes with the paramilitary police over the past week. It is unclear how many have been detained. A spokesperson for Jammu and Kashmir governments declined to answer questions for, from Reuters. The Indian government's home ministry did not return calls and emails seeking comment. Now, this is where they actually talk about what's actually happening. So they're just telling you, shit's going down over there. The people are trying to get the Indian government out. The Indian government's trying to fully take over. And here's the actual focal point of resistance. In Srinagar, the government has banned gatherings of more than four people, set up scores of roadblocks to prevent movement, and reportedly detained thousands of people, including former chief ministers of the state, community leaders, and activists. Internet and cell phone services have been out for more than two weeks throughout the city and the rest of the Kashmir Valley, making it difficult for opponents of the government's decision to organize protests. Landline phone service has begun to return to the region, but not to Saura, which is best known for a Muslim shrine and a well-regarded medical college. Residents have found other ways to organize. When they spot security forces trying to enter the area, residents say they rush to a mosque and sound the alarm by playing a devotional song calling for people to stand against illegal occupation or by issuing an alert over the loudspeaker. Piles of bricks and stones ready to use against Indian troops sit at the intersections of the narrow lanes that make up Saura, a largely lower middle-class area bounded to the west by a lake and marshy wetlands. At one barricade, Consartina Wire had been strung across the road. The young men patrolling the barrier said the wire had been stolen from Indian security forces. A protest on August 9th, when people took to the streets after Friday prayers, marked Saura as the focal point of resistance to the Indian government's decision. As residents from surrounding neighborhoods joined the demonstration, the crowd swelled to at least 10,000, according to local police sources. More than a dozen residents told Reuters that around 150 to 200 security personnel in riot gear attempted to enter Sour after the protests, resulting in clashes with residents that went on late into the night as police fired tear gas and metal pellets. The Indian government initially denied there had been a protest, saying there had been no more gathering in Sour. There had been no gathering in Sour involving more than 20 people. It later said that that there had been a demonstration of 1,000 to 1,500 people after TV footage of the crowd was broadcast by BBC and Al Jazeera. So they're trying to make it seem like it's all good and nobody, nobody's fighting back when in reality it's, you know, they all fucking hate them. <laughs> and then the title of this next article is Fighting Back. Since then, Saura has been the scene of smaller demonstrations and daily running battles with security forces, according to people living in the neighborhood. The security forces have made several attempts to enter Saura, according to residents, with the apparent goal of sealing off a large area of open ground next to the Jinab Sahib shrine that has become an assembly point for protesters. India's paramilitary police say they are determined to regain control of the area. We have been trying to enter, but there is a lot of resistance in that neighborhood, said an Indian paramilitary police officer in Srinagar, who spoke on the condition of anonymity. Another senior security official told Reuters on condition of anonymity that some of the youth of the area are highly radicalized and it is a hotbed of militancy. Well, that's all you need. All you need to say is they're militants and that they're highly radicalized uh, Muslim terrorists and that justifies invasion across the board. Take, for example, Afghanistan, Iraq, Pakistan, Syria... Uh, what's that other one? Uh, fucking uh, la 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 Libya, Libya. Let's you know impale Gaddafi and stuff. We did that, you know. But the residents said they will continue to resist the entry of security forces. Every day they are trying to attack us here, but we are fighting back. Says Owais in his early twenties. We feel like we are trapped. Now, that might seem very far off, and and it's like something that won't affect us over here, but. It certainly could because that's just crazy, man. You got two nuclear powers fighting over a, a little region right there, and they're trying to flex on each other and shit. And they're trying to, you know, take it over, India in particular. And I don't know, we'll see how Pakistan responds. But hopefully, it's not with nuclear weapons because nuclear weapons between two countries could quickly turn into 
a global nuclear war, and then we're all fucking dead. And that would suck, you know? Ain't nobody got time for that. But in lighter news, Trump wants to buy Trump wants to buy Greenland. Now, I think that's kind of cool. Let's fucking buy it. Why not? That's what the guy does, right? He's a big real estate dude. He buys shit for a low price and then he sells it for a high price. Let's go flip Greenland. We'll uh, you know, like they flip a house. We'll get there, we'll remodel it, put a few McDonald's there and shit, and you know, buy it for 2 billion, sell it for 10 billion. And well, I don't know. How much does a Greenland cost now? I I know it's not green. It's all ice, and it kind of sucks there, I think. But then again, I don't know. I've never been to Greenland. I've just heard that Iceland is nicer. So Trump wants to buy Greenland. I believe that Denmark owns it. I'll read you that. It's, uh, it's kind of funny. But I think they're, the real reason is a military agenda because Greenland's up there by the Aurora Borealis. Anything close to the poles has special military purposes because you're up close to like the ionosphere, and with the wireless world that's coming in and the, and the 5G and the the weather modification and all that, it's good to be up closer to that part of the atmosphere next to the magnetosphere, um, that, that magnetic coat that's around the world. So when you're close to that, you can do some crazy scientific shit. I don't fucking know the exact details of it, but you can read about it in Elena Freeland's books. She's got all that stuff. You can read about the space fence. And under an eye and eye sky. So uh, this one's called No Joke. Trump really does want to buy Greenland. President Trump on Sunday confirmed that his administration has discussed buying Greenland from Denmark, comparing the idea to a large real estate deal and suggesting the island would be of strategic value to the United States. Speaking to reporters, the president confirmed reports that first appeared on Thursday in the Wall Street Journal that he had asked administration officials to look into the possibility of purchasing the self-governing Danish territory. It's just something we've talked about. He said Denmark essentially owns it. We're very good allies with Denmark. We've protected Denmark like we protect large portions of the world, so the concept came up. Strategically, it's interesting, and we'd be interested. We'll talk to them a little bit, the president said. He added... It's not number one on the burner, but I can tell you, it's not number one on the burner, I could tell you that. So apparently he wants to buy other countries as well. And how insane would that be? We just fucking, you used to, well, that's the way America was built though, with the Louisiana Purchase. We bought that from the French. That was a great fucking deal. Doubled the size of the country for next to nothing because Napoleon was dead broke over in Europe doing all of these wars, nonstop wars that were just draining the economy of France. So he had to sell Louisiana to America, and that doubled the size of the country, which was just, you know. It also resulted in a lot of Indians being murdered. But, you know, I don't know. That's fucking America, I guess. It's fucking America. And then uh, we bought Alaska from the Russians, so this isn't a new concept. That's, That's what you do is if there's a bunch of land, fucking buy it, you know. But we'll see if it happens. But the idea has gotten a chilly reception both in Greenland and in the Danish capital, Copenhagen. Denmark's Prime Minister, Met Fredriksen, who was on a visit to Greenland on Sunday, responded to Trump's remarks by saying emphatically that Greenland is not for sale. No sale, motherfucker. Greenland is not Danish. Greenland belongs to Greenland, Fredriksen said, according to the newspaper Sermitsjak. I strongly hope that this is not meant seriously, she said. Wait, so it's a girl? Oh, it is a girl. I thought it was a dude. That's There goes my sexist beliefs right there. I assume the, the prime minister was a dude. It's a chick. Met. I guess I, just because I'm not uh, familiar with Danish names, I Met could be male or female in my opinion. Or is it Mete? I don't know. I'm not. I need to brush up on my Danish. Um, so, you know, he wants to buy it. She ain't selling. He's got to sweeten the deal a bit to uh, get her to do it. We'll see if that happens. That would be interesting. I mean, fuck, I'll buy some land in Greenland. It's got to be fucking dirt cheap. What What are you buying? A, a piece of ice or something? I don't know. Just a bunch of snow? Maybe a, a pine tree? I'm not sure. I don't even know what Greenland looks like. I know it's cold. I know it's largely uninhabitable, so 
It's got to be a military fucking thing, right? That's what I'd do if I had it. I'd put some fucking troops up there. Now, uh, what else we got going on? Jay-Z wants to buy the NFL. I'm just kidding. He's not that rich, but he wants to buy a team or invest in a team, and everyone's all mad at him because everyone wants to kneel and shit and... You know, Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick don't give a fuck. He did it as a political move. Somebody high up probably fucking told him to do it to stir up all the drama. Because the NFL is just a fucking show. And anything that happens there is... It's it's kind of bullshit in my opinion. It's part of the bread and circuses that they used to do in Rome. That's all modern sports is. It's a distraction. It's, it's, uh, it's a way for people to remain permanent adolescents. In my opinion, what do you care about a game? It's a bunch of guys chasing around a bag of wind and you're going to fucking get all dramatic about it, punch your TV, fucking never miss a fucking game? I think that shit's ridiculous in my opinion. If you're into it, you know, so be it, but uh hasn't really appealed to me for the past my life. <laughs> but uh yeah, everyone's all pissed off at Jay-Z because he wants to buy, nah, he wants to invest in the NFL. Jay Z don't care, man. You think he cares about people kneeling and shit? Well, did I just, did I just, I don't know what just happened there, man. I'm keeping going. Everything seems all right now. But yeah, so uh, you know, people are like, "What about Colin Kaepernick, Jay Z, man? What the fuck?" Jay Z don't care. He's a fucking billionaire, dude. You think he cares about the black community and shit, dude? Sold cracked all his fucking homies and his homies' moms and shit. Dude's trying to get money. I like Jay Z though. I think he's guy. I think he's one of the best rappers, honestly. But you can't expect him to be a fucking Martin Luther King, you know. <laughs> That's not. That is not his goal. He has clearly stated he ain't about that life. Dude is like fucking trying to make as much money as possible, and you know he's trying to be Jay Z, dude. I wonder if he still sells coke. Because that's how he got all his money, right? He's flipping coke and selling crack and shit. And then that's how he funded uh, becoming a rapper. No one wanted to put him on, so he's like, fuck it, I'll do it myself. And he created Rockefeller, did all that. And then uh, look at him now, man. A lot of people say he's the greatest rapper ever. He is pretty fucking good, man. I mean, you listen to his shit, it's like, damn. And he makes, you know, he doesn't try to lie to you and talk. Like I say, he's not trying to be no Martin Luther King or whatever. Dude's from the hood. Fucking grew up selling crack and shit. And then uh, flipped enough crack to fucking finance his own rap career and become the biggest mogul in rap right now it's it's a pretty amazing story uh what is he gonna go the rockefeller carnegie route where he's gonna create an endowment and uh create a lasting legacy where he um gives people fucking what scholarships and stuff so they can go to school but really it's just a way to control the world after you're dead and make sure that you're little plans and stuff go move on to a new new world order. I don't know. I don't know if Jay-Z's thinking that far ahead, but maybe he is. He's a pretty smart guy. But uh, he did do some good stuff for those kids out in Africa. I just remember seeing the picture of him like walking with like a hundred little African kids and apparently he set them all up with proper plumbing and electricity and things like that. He's no Akon, but he's... I don't know. I don't know what to th- I don't know enough about that. I shouldn't even be speaking about it. What do I know? I know that Akon has done some badass shit though over there in Africa and that's very respectable and uh it deserves more media coverage because that's a very uh cool thing, you know, someone who's really giving back. So shout outs to Akon. You're cool in my book. Um oh man, how did I forget about this? Fucking Epstein. Fucking pedophile billionaire Epstein has gotten murdered. He got murdered in jail. How crazy is that? Eh, it's not very crazy. I'm sure everyone expected it. You're a billionaire, pedophile, Mossad, CIA asset who has been blackmailing you know, the most rich, powerful people in the world by making them, or letting them, essentially providing little children for them to rape. Uh, yeah, you're not going to get a chance to prosecute. So whether or not he was extracted from the jail or murdered doesn't really make a difference. The fact is he's not there. And it's just what a what a telling fucking symbol of how 
how ridiculously fucked up and corrupt this system really is. So you can be in federal prison awaiting court and, you know, under suicide watch supposedly, but maybe, no, they say he was taken off. He was under it for a few days and then he got taken off. And then uh, none of the cameras were pointing into his room. You know, nobody was looking. The guards were asleep or something. And uh, fucking someone walked in and like choked him out or whatever. Oh no, they say he committed. They say he committed suicide. Either way, who knows if he was murdered? If he was just taken out of there and fucking replaced with some other dead guy? It ain't that hard to find a corpse. So I mean, that's just ridiculous. And and then of course, as soon as it happens, it, obviously it's the, like the biggest news story in a while. And uh, everyone's just saying, well, conspiracy theories are running rampant. And it's like, yeah, can you fucking blame people? It's obviously very suspicious. If you don't think there's a conspiracy here, then you're fucking retarded. Because (laughs) that shit doesn't happen, man. Like, they got that shit locked down pretty good. And especially a high-profile prisoner like that. He's not going to slip out under the radar or uh, be able to take himself out, for that matter without somebody being there. And, you know, like, obviously the guards and the, the prison dudes, the the guy running the prison and shit, they're paid off or told to look the other direction or whatever. And if you do come out about seeing something, you're fucking dead too. So if you, if you were one of the guards who saw some shit or, you know, you were in that prison for whatever reason and you saw some shit, you know where Jeff is, then uh, I would say head for the fucking hills, man, because you're going to get murdered too. They don't fuck around with this shit. And now a lot of information is coming out about Jeffrey Epstein. A lot of people are saying that he was part of Mossad, a CIA asset. Mossad is obviously the intelligence branch of Israel. And his name's Epstein. He's, He's Jewish, so it would make sense if he was Mossad. But, yeah, essentially what what they do and what the intelligence community has been doing for quite some time is luring high profile individuals, you know, rich businessmen, uh, politicians, whatever, whatever it fucking is. And they take them out, wine them and dine them, and then uh, fucking get them to have sex with some kids and shit. And then they film it. There's secret cameras all over the place. And then they say, hey, man, fucking. You better do what we say or this is all coming out. Your life is over and that's it. And they all kind of got dirt on each other. I think that's the way it works and that's the way their clique is. uh, That's the way it's held together. It's a bond of pedophilia. It's truly fucking disgusting, but this is really the way the world is ran. And how insane is that? Like this comes out, this dude fucking multi-billionaire, hangs out with all the most powerful people on the planet. Bill Clinton's been there multiple times. Trump's chill with the guy. Fucking Stephen Hawking. uh, All these MIT professors and, you know, big fucking names. And uh, how could you have any faith in the system when you know that the most powerful people in the world are hanging out with this guy? And this dude is just, I think he's a small potatoes. I don't think he's the main dude. I think he's the scapegoat. I think he is uh, someone for us to throw tomatoes at. I think the real pedophilia network and human trafficking network goes much deeper and much higher. Uh, This is really the way the world is ran. If you research the occult, people have been raping kids for thousands of years for spiritual purposes. Spiritual purposes. It's okay. (laughs) No, it's not okay. It's fucked up, and it's a satanic fucking cult is what it is. Michael Aquino former military intelligence, read some shit about that. Man, I just read the craziest fucking story about that. It's so long, though. I don't know if I should read it on here. But, uh, man, do I still have it? Oh, I do. Uh, There's an article by, it's called The Pedophocracy by David McGowan. This came out in, like, 2000. And... It's just talking about the pedophilia network that basically runs the world and the U.S. Army and all that shit. Now, there was one one striking part. I mean, the whole article is, is really crazy. I mean, it'll take you like an hour to read it. But look it up. It's called The Pedophocracy by Dave, Mc, Dave McGowan. 
And um, he goes into this guy, Michael Aquino. Aquinas? Aquino? He was former military intelligence, and he created this satanic cult named the Temple of Set, where they worship Set. It's this ancient Egyptian god. And uh, it's fucking crazy, man. So they had this army daycare center in San Francisco where all these kids would be taken and, you know, dad goes to work, mom goes to work, perhaps they're both in the military or whatever, they both have separate jobs, but the military offers to, you know, watch the kids for them. And then it was all these kids, like, from age three to seven fucking ended up getting raped. And they would take the kids through, like, underground tunnels and stuff and to different places, and then they would they would rape these kids. And it's... uh. I don't need to go into detail about it. I mean, you can imagine what they do. And there was like weird rituals and shit that they did because these people believe that through like taking the innocence of a child and possibly murdering it and fucking drinking their blood for the adrenochrome, you like get special magical powers. They really believe this shit. And perhaps they do. I don't know. Like there's obviously a reason people have been doing it for thousands of years, but that's neither here nor there. You just shouldn't do that shit, obviously. But the so this was during the eighties. I think it was like in the early eighties. And uh this one kid was complaining. He's like three years old and he's really hurt and uh they took him to the doctor and then they found out that the kid was trying to say too, like somebody did something to me or whatever at daycare. You're three years old, you can put some words together and kind of see let people know what's happening. And uh, took him to the doctor. They found out that, yeah, he what he did get raped at the daycare. And the kid even said it was Mr. fucking Frank or whatever the fuck. The dude working there. And this was all, it was like a military network of satanic motherfuckers in the army that raped like dozens and dozens of kids. Like almost 100 kids. And this is right here in San Francisco. And uh, the the Mercury News out of San Jose, they ran a bunch of stories on this. And this was a a big fucking deal, man. And just the whole... This has been going on for a long time. And there's been people trying to expose it and and do all that for quite some time as well. But, you know, I don't know, man. It's it's some powerful people involved in this. Michael Aquinas uh, was involved with Anton LaVey, the creator of the Church of Satan, the writer of the Satanic Bible. Uh, Satanism is a real thing, and there are some very powerful people involved in that, and raping kids and just doing incredibly horrible things that are just sometimes too much to imagine. Things you don't even want to think about, but that stuff does happen. Uh, There was Ted Gunderson, ex-CIA, no, I think he was ex-FBI, became a whistleblower and ended up helping a lot of people who were victims of Project Monarch and MKUltra, the government mind control programs that made people into sex slaves and and all kinds of different stuff. He he gave a lot of talks about just how deeply the the satanic network goes and uh, how high up it goes in in American politics and global politics at large. I think the royal family is out doing some demonic shit, too. I mean, just look at them. They look like some weird-ass motherfuckers. I don't trust that queen one bit. I would love to kick her in the face. I think that would be fun. Um, And make her crown fly off into a little poor neighborhood so they can have uh, more money. You know, pawn the crown. How much would that thing be worth? Ah, she's got a bunch of them. But... It's a fact, though, that that this stuff is happening. I mean, it's well documented. There's plenty of good researchers that have have gone into it. So this Jeffrey Epstein thing is just the latest in a, a trend, a disgusting, horrible trend that has been continuing for some time now. And is it ever going to stop? I don't know. What's going to happen? So they, they had the FBI go and raid Epstein's place. And... um. <laughs> It's funny, you you really think they were raiding the place after Epstein died in order to, like, further prosecute more people? Fuck no, dude. They were going to grab all the shit that was implicating everyone else so they could blackmail them, or, you know, so they could have it, or so their homies who were banging kids there don't get in trouble, like the Clintons, you know? 
How many people have died who are associated with the Clintons? It was like 75 now or some shit like that. It's an astronomical number. That's just retarded. But they get away with it because they own the media. And, uh, you know, it's just nuts. Now, another thing about... (laughs) This is just funny here. The guy who's going to do the Epstein... Uh, the Epstein autopsy, or one of them, because they do multiple autopsies. It's Michael Baden, and this guy is the living link between Jeffrey Epstein, Martin Luther King Jr., uh, the guy that OJ killed, or girl, I'm sorry, his wife, and John F. Kennedy. So he's done autopsies on, like, he's been involved in all these fucking cases. One dude, it's like... Where do they find this guy? They just this is his go-to guy to fucking I don't know promote whatever story they want, and it's like this is just crazy. But I want to read this article to you. So it says Michael Baden, the man linking Epstein, MLK, OJ, and JFK. Uh, since the media broke the story that multi-millionaire pedophile Jeffrey Epstein had committed suicide before going to trial, many Americans questioned the official story. Yeah, no shit. Some accuse political elites of murdering him, while others believe that Epstein is still alive somewhere. The latter group cites a photo that the New York Post took of the man being wheeled into a hospital in NYC. In the photo, his nose and ear shape appear to be different than other pictures of the man. Suspicion is also aroused around the facts that the guards at the prison were on heavy overtime, that Epstein was not on suicide watch despite attempting to take his life shortly prior, and that cameras all pointed outside of his cell. Oh, that's not suspicious, so that's just normal. That's normal protocol at a federal prison. (laughs) That's fucking nuts, dude. Uh, Now, renowned forensic pathologist Michael Baden is involving himself in Epstein's autopsy. Michael Baden's high-profile cases. And they certainly are high profile. Uh, Michael Baden has long since made himself a name in the field of forensic pathology. After graduating from NYU School of Medicine with an MD, he went on to perform over 20,000 autopsies over the course of his career. He has also held consultant positions for government agencies and spent over 45 years as a medical examiner. Baden has investigated some of the most prominent and suspicious deaths in the last half century. I feel like that makes him suspicious. Why do we got one guy who's investigating all the most fucking, you know, suspicious conspiracies and shit? I mean, obviously he works for the dudes doing the fucking killings and shit. Ah, come on. How dumb do they think people are? People are pretty dumb, though. So, (laughs) in the 1970s, he led a panel that looked back at the deaths of JFK and MLK, both killed by the CIA. (laughs) He ultimately stated that he did not believe the CIA played a role in the former's death. Two decades later, the Russian government asked him to investigate the newly discovered bodies of the Romanov family. Since then, he has investigated deaths and taught homicide classes across every continent but Antarctica. Some of his investigations include cases involving Yankees manager Billy Martin, former football player O.J. Simpson, and the murder of unarmed teenager Michael Brown. So I found that very strange. He also did the Michael Brown thing. That was the kid who got killed because he had an Arizona and some Skittles. Uh, no, or was that Trayvon? I don't know. There's been so many of these ones. You know, you got the, the black kids who are just fucking killed, man, for no reason. And then they become national headlines. And it's, there's a lot of public outcry and political shit that stems from these murders. So it's it's very strange that this guy was involved. Well, no, I'd say it's not strange. It's like right up his alley. So this time, Baden did not perform the official autopsy on Jeffrey Epstein. He did, however, observe it on behalf of Epstein's lawyers. Michael Baden may be able to help Epstein's family to receive additional information before it goes public. However, the family has also hired Baden to perform his own private autopsy on the body. A second person's investigation often helps reassure families when the official report is riddled with allegations of wrongdoing. In such an eerie death, there will certainly be questions. A second autopsy can help help answer those while confirming or dissipating theories about corruption in the official one. Baden, one of the most famous famous names in the field, may bring some closure to the matter. With theories varying widely and the official cause of death pending further information we may be beginning to get to the bottom of the mysterious reported suicide. So, I mean, the whole shit just stinks terribly. It's ridiculous. You know, it's fucking nuts. But, uh, uh that's, I guess that's the world we live in, huh? 
pretty crazy. And uh, what else happened? I think it was they said that two days before Epstein supposedly committed suicide, he created a trust uh, and put hundreds of millions of dollars into that, or you know, close to a hundred million between the assets and the cash, and uh, basically made it so the victims of him won't be able to receive any money from him, even when he's post mortem. So I mean, it kind of looks like he was extracted. And if you were CIA or Mossad, I think that's probably what they would do, right? I mean, they're obviously not going to let you testify and spill the beans. Uh, they might kill you. I mean, obviously they do that as well. But maybe he's worth more alive than dead. I don't know, man. It smells pretty conspiracy-y to me. Very strange. Um, last night, I was doing some more research into the Columbine shootings that happened in uh, 420 that happened on 420 1999 the same day as the Waco massacre the same day as the Oklahoma City bombing same day that everyone smokes a bunch of weed and Hitler's birthday as well so that 420 day has some symbolic meaning to it and there's just all sorts of weird shit that happened with Columbine we're led to believe that was just two kids who were nuts and they got bullied, so they went in there and and shot a bunch of people and stuff. But it turns out that these kids were actually part of like a big, like a gang, like a fucking satanic gang, and they all spoke German and they wanted to blow up the school and this attack was like very well planned and there was this fucking satanic group out of Denver that they were associated with. And uh, it kind of seems like these kids were just brainwashed by some some sketchy motherfuckers, perhaps the same type of people who kidnap all the kids and rape them and, and do all that and involved in the pedophilia and human trafficking. And then uh, they were used for the the political agenda type thing to get the uh, school shootings into the public consciousness. And then you had all of the copycat people and, and all the shootings which have happened since then. But after... After the Columbine thing happened, uh, 9-11 happened shortly after, so it was kind of taken out of the public eye. I mean, it was a really big deal for a while there because nothing like that had really happened in America before. But once 9-11 happened, it was swept under the rug because there's so many other things happened. Yeah, the, inv- yeah, the invasion of Afghanistan, um, the Patriot Act. You had fucking just all kinds of shit, the tensions with Iraq and fucking shit was just nuts after 9-11. So it was all about the foreign terrorism and the Al-Qaeda and all that rather than um, the Columbine thing. But there's a lot of suspicious stuff that happened with that. I recommend you watch the documentary that is surprising still surprisingly still on YouTube. It's called The Columbine Cause. Uh, you can watch that and it just points out the inconsistencies between the official reports given by witnesses and talks about the months and years leading up to the attacks and what these kids were like, who they were hanging out with, and and all the fucked up shit they did before that, which, you know, why were they even still in school? And it's just, the whole thing is very suspicious. So... It's interesting to look back at that because that was the first big school shooting and now it's just like normal, all of these shootings that keep happening all over. Um, and it all kind of stemmed from that. So, you know, I firmly believe that this is, uh, there's people pulling the strings with these things, whether there be the shooters are being manipulated with some sort of mind control technology, like some sort of voice-to-skull technology that uses satellites or, or cell phones or cell towers or whatever. There's many different ways you can do it. There's many different ways that you can beam thoughts into somebody's head. In fact, there's a lot of information in the public domain that can explain the technology behind that. Um, and this can be used. You know, this has happened to a lot of people. There's a lot of people who claim they were hearing voices and shit and people telling him to kill people and stuff. And that's what these shooters say. Um, there's many stories of the MK Ultra Project Monarch things where people were just brainwashed to do all sorts of atrocious things, or maybe they were brainwashed to be intelligence assets, um, to be sex slaves, all of that. So it's it's a 
it's a real thing, and um, it's just kind of nuts. But if you look into the Columbine thing, it's it's interesting how that kind of ties together with all of this other stuff, and even with the pedophilia stuff, because the satanic shit they were doing, and um, <clears throat> the people they were they were associated with, obviously they were just high school kids, so they were younger, but this network of people in Denver, um, people had reported like hanging out with this one dude who they used to chill with, who had this fucking notebook full of like nasty pictures of kids, you know, like pornographic or abusive pictures of kids. And they were into like, you know, cutting and and, uh, just weird shit, man, like some vampire shit where they're spilling each other's blood and doing some weird sex shit. There's a lot of people that are into that shit, man. It kind of doesn't make its way into the public eye. I think it might have been bigger in the 90s when they were doing all that uh, goth rave shit. You don't really see that much anymore. I don't know. Maybe they're doing it somewhere. Maybe it's more underground. Maybe they've graduated to just doing even weirder shit in fucking more secret places. Or maybe it's died out. I don't know. But I know they are doing some weird shit for a while. But moving on, <laughs> just rambling about random shit, rambling about the random. Um, I did want to mention a book that I've been reading. It's called Amusing Ourselves to Death, and it's by a guy named Neil Postman. It was written in the 80s, and it's about just the dumbing down of society via television and how much different things were in the age of typography. He calls it the age of typography. It basically started when the printing press was invented and books became widespread and available to the public. People fucking loved it and people ate it up. And the literacy rates in America in like the 1700s, 1800s were something that had never happened before in the history of the world. There was never a population as literate and as well-read as the American people in the colonial days, in the early, you know, to to the early 1900s. People were incredibly well-read, and that's just what they did. They read philosophy. They read people like Ralph Waldo Emerson, Henry David Thoreau, uh, Mark Twain, and uh, before that, you had Thomas Paine and all these revolutionaries where the idea of democracy was really kind of coming into the public consciousness, and people, that's what people researched. They didn't really read, like, novels and stuff. I mean, they kind of did, But a lot of what they read was just pamphlets that were talking about political type events and things that really impacted the world. And the difference between reading and and watching TV or even seeing a photograph is that if when you read something, it has to make sense. There has to be a beginning, a middle and an end. And there has to be a point and there has to be a logical consistency with the words that you read. Now, And that makes your brain function in that way as well. So it was reflected in the way people spoke to each other, um, in the just how elaborate everything was and how many words were used to describe things and just how thoroughly everything was described. And people were much better at expressing themselves. In fact, you have the political debates between Stephen Douglas and Abraham Lincoln that occurred in the shit was that in the late 1850s, early 1860s. They would go on for seven hours, and they would be attended by hundreds of people. And this would be like the main event. It would be like a carnival type thing. People would be drinking and you know having fun and shit. There would be music for a while, but once the debate started, the music would shut off, and people would stand there and listen to these guys debate for seven hours. And like, can you believe that nobody? Nobody would do that now. People don't have that kind of patience now. They can't handle that much information. They couldn't even understand like a paragraph of what these guys would say, you know? One dude would have an hour and a half or an hour to state his first claim. You know, that would be his first argument, an hour in the presidential debate. And then the next dude would have an hour and a half to rebuttal. And then the dude could like double rebuttal. Well, that's a cool word, double rebuttal. And then that would be like an hour and a half, and they would just go back and forth. But very, very elaborate, well-constructed arguments that made sense, and they are about real shit. 
And look at the fucking political debates now. They, you got like a minute each, and it's like a WWE fucking, you know, rumble or some shit. And nobody has any time to say anything about anything. And all that matters is like if someone got a clever one-liner and made the other guy look like a fucking asshole. It's not. It's not about the real issues. It's not about what's really happening or how some what someone's actually going to do. There's no time for that. Just with TV, it's all about the imagery. It's about what you look like. It's about how you carry yourself, your confidence, and and things like that. And just the little fucking the little one-liners and stuff. When back then it wasn't like that. You would be able to pass by an American president in the 1800s or the 1700s. I guess there was more presidents in the 1800s, obviously. But you'd be able to walk right by one and not even know it. He just looked like a regular guy because no one knew what anyone looked like. But you would know everything he said because you read all his speeches and shit. And uh, it's just how much has it changed now? It's like now we're just so much more familiar with images and and things like that. But back in the day, it was the content. It was It was the message. It was what somebody was actually saying was important, but now it's just what somebody looks like and the emotions of it. Back then, people were much more logical. They thought things through and things had to make sense. It wasn't all about the just the, the, you know, the showbiz aspect of it. Now we're living in the age of show business where everything is just emotionally charged. There's no logic. There's no consistency. And... uh the way that things are explained to the public is called an epistemology. So the epistemology of the age of typography was print. It was books and stuff. But now the epistemology now is imagery. It's video. It's uh, fucking... That's just what everything is, dude. And it's changed the way we've thought about things. And I remember realizing this at a young age and being like, damn, like everything I know about anything is because of television. I essentially, I don't know shit about anything except what I know and what I've seen on TV. And then I looked around at the people around me and the way they interpreted reality, and it was all pretty much the same thing. Everyone has these ideas in their head about relationships, about the family, about school, uh, about jobs, and, and just your ideas about everything. It's all dictated by what you've seen on television. It's an incredibly powerful tool, and that's why I think it's so popular in American culture because, well, and the culture around the world. It's just because, dude, you can control people's fucking minds with that shit, like, very effectively. So, the moment I realized that was, I think, when things really started to change for me and when I really started to awaken to the true reality of this world and starting to look into... uh what's really going on basically and kind of falling down the rabbit hole um, of reality. So that was a, that was a powerful realization to come to, especially as a kid. And that, you know, I kind of stopped watching TV after that because it, it does, it fries your brain. And the guy who invented the TV, I forget his name, but he invented, he might not have invented the actual TV, but he invented the vacuum tube for the TV and he regretted it. He wouldn't let a TV into his house. He invented ever. He regretted ever inventing that thing because he saw what it was used for and how it was just used to manipulate the people and just brainwash the shit out of them. And it's kind of like how Steve Jobs or Bill Gates or whatever, how they won't let their kids have iPads and stuff because they're poisonous and the electromagnetic radiation will give you cancer. But we're still carrying them around in our pockets, right? Right next to your dick. I'm fucking... <laughs> gonna get some uh testicular cancer there but anyways about that that book amusing ourselves to death it's a really fascinating one like i said it was from neil postman and it's really worth looking into if you're interested in that kind of stuff because it does kind of tie everything together and and make you realize the history of this society that we live in and why people are the way that they are I think the epistemology of a society has a lot to do with the behavior of a society. The, the medium through which they receive information is incredibly important to 
the thought process of the people. If people are reading books all of the time, they're going to be very logical. They're going to be careful. They're going to be thorough. And they're going to be more intelligent. If people are raised on TV and on apps and like Instagram and Facebook, people are going to be, they're going to have no patience. People don't have any patience. Uh, it's all about sex all the time. Everyone just wants to fuck and everyone just wants to look good and be physically appealing. Um, it's about that that fancy lifestyle. Yeah, everyone's chasing that dream. Think about it. If you were in living in the 1800s or the 1700s, you didn't even know what people live like who are rich. Unless you were like their servant or something, there was no way you would know what it was like to be rich. Maybe you'd see them once in a while riding down the street in a carriage while you were walking. You'd be like, damn, that looks pretty cool. But other than that, you didn't really have the opportunity to envy envy them that much because you didn't even know what they were living like. But now, that's like all you see online is celebrities. You know, that's why we worship celebrities so much. It's not for what they do. It's more for what they look like and what they have. You know? It's uh, back in the day, you used to have to say something. You used to have to have a brilliant thought and, and, and change the way that people saw things around them and bring something to the forefront that hadn't before been mentioned. But now it's just, you gotta... You got to have a fucking big ass. <laughs> you got to have a big butt. That's all it takes. And be a dumb slut. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I don't use that word. But um, it's just things have changed. You know, the intellectual part is out the window. Nobody really cares about it. It's more materialistic. It's not philosophical. It's not, it's not very deep. <laughs> There's some people who still are and very artsy and stuff, but... It's very interesting, though, to see the correlation between the age of, you know, the differences, I mean, between the age of typography and the age of show business. So that's something to look into if you're into it. Check it out. It's really interesting. Look up uh, Amusing Ourselves to Death by Neil Postman. And that was written in the 80s, so he didn't ever get to see the internet and (laughs) just how things have changed with that Facebook, Instagram. MySpace was before that. AOL Instant Messenger, all that shit. But nowadays, yeah, man, it's all about Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and stuff. And that changes the way you think, dude. It really does. It impacts the way you think and the way you perceive reality, which is really crazy to think about. So I think I'm going to end it there. And thank you guys so much for listening. Um, Like I said, I just hope you guys are all doing good out there. I really appreciate the support for this. Um, I'll have new music coming out soon. I'm always working on shit. But first I need to find a job because I'm just like you guys. We all need jobs. Uh, Have a good one. Peace out and party on. Party on.